When I got to New York, I knew what I had to do. I had to become a painter, and I had to tell these stories about nature, and it just turned into what I do now. I went back to what I did when I was 10 years old, and I think that's a very good thing to do if you're an artist. <laughs> Welcome to the artist world. The last time you went to see an exhibition, did you wonder why the artists were that way or had that style? This podcast lets them speak. You will learn how an artwork, an encounter, or different life experiences have made them the artists they are today. You will discover how it all began. The Artist World is part of the Our Choices Network. You can follow us on the Instagram account at ourchoices.art. This is O-U-R-C-H-O-I-C-E-S dot A-R-T. We'll be happy to answer your messages or comments. Now, I leave the word to the artist. I'm Walton Ford and I'm an artist. I grew up in the suburbs outside of New York City. But uh, both my parents are from the South of America. And the traditions in the South, often there's a lot of hunting and fishing. And my uncles and aunts still live down there and we would visit. And they had big sort of almost like plantation houses, really. This was the kind of background I grew up. So there'd be uh, guns and fishing rods and a lot of amateur natural history. So the kind of people I grew up with, Um, they could identify the birds that we saw. They, my dad would pick up a snake off the ground and tell me, you know, what kind it was, and we wouldn't be afraid, you know. Um, and so, and we would catch a lot of fish and like cut them and clean them, and you know, duck hunting. These things happened in my childhood, so I understood this sort of. Uh, I was around this idea of the hunting, natural history kind of milieu, you know, but I grew up in suburban New York. So it was right outside of New York City and there was almost no nature. There might be a little bit of woods next to the golf course or there'd be a little bit of shoreline uh, where the houses weren't built. And that's where I would go and I would capture little animals and bring them home and keep them in the bathtub or in my closet or wherever. So I had uh, birds and snakes and frogs and turtles and things that I would bring home from my expeditions in the suburban woods. And this was just my impulse since I was a little kid. I would have a box with a string and a stick and I put a peanut butter sandwich and the wild birds would come and they would start to eat the sandwich and then I'd pull the string and I'd have the blue jay type of American jay and put a little string on his foot and I'd have him for a day. He would like fly around. <laughs> and then I let him go at the end of the day. This was the kind of childhood I had. So that, and I never quit. My brother is a natural history artist. Um, and he paints fish for sportsmen. He's, he's quite well known in the community of sports fishermen. And it's very traditional what he does. It's the fish. He taught me to draw and paint when I was quite young. He was a talented draftsman, and I followed his footsteps. And then I went off to art school, and I left this behind. 
And in the back of my mind, I knew it was a big part of me. But in art school, it was all theory and uh, it was intimidating. And I drew animals when I was a kid, but I didn't draw them in art school. I thought, I'm going to be a filmmaker. I'm going to make narrative films. I saw Herzog, and I thought, maybe I'll make films about nature like he does, you know? But it turns out I had no talent for film, and I kept drawing and painting in my apartment, in my studio at home. So when I got to New York, I knew what I had to do. I had to become a painter, and I had to tell these stories about nature, and it just turned into what I do now. I went back to what I did when I was 10 years old. And I think that's a very good thing to do if you're an artist. <laughs> I went to art school and got more training and went to Europe and studied Giotto and all the great uh, 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 Trecento painters of, 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 of Italy. And those, uh, na those narrative styles uh, really resonated with me, almost like comic strips. I also liked R. Crumb and graphic, all kinds of graphic, before they were graphic novels, they were just underground comics. And I liked those as well, this sort of outrageous way of telling stories. I take traditional narrative forms, natural history painting, uh, hunting narrative painting, and I try to change it and, and uh, subvert the meaning and insert my own uh, narrative into it and using traditional forms to tell stories that these forms never would tell. So I think of it as like uh, putting a, uh, a computer virus in a traditional painting or a Tourette syndrome. You know what this is, Tourette syndrome? When people blurt out crazy, you know, they say, ah, they swear or whatever. So my idea is that I, I make the painting start to tell embarrassing truths or things that it wouldn't normally tell. And I found that tradition in European painting that was not that dissimilar using the saints and things like this. The work that I was very interested in again when I was young as a child, what I pictured for myself was that I would be a natural history artist in a traditional way, uh, in the footsteps of Audubon, but also Edward Lear, also in France there was Barabon, there's many fantastic painters of, of uh, natural history painters. But the one thing they mostly have in common is that they use watercolor on paper and gouache as well, sometimes in ink. But the idea that the language of natural history from the time that Durer painted the rabbit until photography takes over in the late 19th century, it's always watercolor on paper. You bring a, a, a journal kind of thing out into the field. You're hunting animals. You're describing them with notes and painting them in watercolors in a field book. And this then is brought to a print shop and then etchings are made and then books are published or lithographs. Um, it's always a paper medium. It's always watercolor on paper or print prints on paper. And we all kind of respond to this work. It's surprising how you, how many say hip contemporary apartment you'll have a 19th century natural history print on the wall. There's some connection with that moment that we want, I think, now. Uh, what, was, what, what those images represent for a contemporary apartment dweller in Paris or New York is a sort of connection with a, a world where we were still exploring, where we didn't have all the answers, where there was a wild 
out there. There was a wild world out there to still be explored where it wasn't small national park with an admission fee and a long lineup of cars. And like, I never saw an animal because there was just people in gift shops. This is, uh, this was a world, the last gasp of a world where you could get lost and where you didn't know the answers and where you didn't Google map yourself and where everything was still very mysterious. And so that is a talisman from that period of time. So what I'm interested in is the darker stories behind that image. In other words, this is an image born of violence, of blood, of conquest, of, of, of a lot of difficulties that we have to, inherited. Uh, um, you know, for millions of years, people were hunted or were hunting. And then for only a few thousand, we lived in towns and we had domestic animals and crops. And then only for a few hundred or even a few decades now, we have, if we have any wild space left, we have to protect it. And if we have predators that used to prey upon us as a form of meat for millions of years of our history, we have to completely change our evolutionary relationship with these animals now. And how do you do that? It's like rewriting DNA that's in us from when we were apes. I don't know how we're going to get out of this jam we're in, but my work is exploring the intersection of, of human culture and animals and trying to just make images out of it. I don't have answers, and, but I, I'm interested in the stories. I don't feel like I have enough time, you know, because I have a lot of ideas that are, when I think of, okay, I'm 55 years old and how much time I have left, I can already see that I don't know how I'm going to get all this done. The ideas keep coming. So the, the, it's, you don't, I don't regret or I don't think, oh, I, if I'd only worked harder or anything quite like this. It's like the feeling that I'm running out of time. You know, there's going to be unfinished stuff when I, you know, and hopefully I have one of those lives where I'm in the studio and I'm an old man and I, you know, and I fall over and it's great. So, but, um, yeah, that's, that's all I can say to that. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Artist's Word. If you liked what you heard, feel free to follow and share the show. Leave a rating or review to help people find the show. Thank you.